Good evening, friends. Scott Sullivan here, Discipleship Catalyst, Georgia Baptist Mission Board. We are so excited to uh, have another edition of our broadcast. We've got a special panel this evening, and uh, PJ Dunn. PJ, you are normally the show producer, so like people see your box, but they don't ever see your face. So, man, we're <laughs> super excited to hear from you today, um, just all of that you bring to the table, uh, new consultant coming on to our team from Fort Worth, now living down in the Southwest region. We'll let you share a little bit with the group your story in just a moment. But we've also got uh, Dr. Randy Stone, one of my favorite people in the world and a mentor of mine, uh, probably the only reason that I made it through the doctoral process uh -huh. in New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So uh, Randy, so good to have you as well. Now listen, friends, we're going to be going through several questions. PJ is going to moderate our time together as we talk about disciple making and strategies, some really interesting, intriguing questions that we hope can give you some, some good answers. And we want to hear from you. So when you're viewing this evening, uh, we want to make sure that you uh, ask questions. You can put that in the comment section if, you, if you'd like. Uh, that's where we want you to put and we'll respond to those best we can. So um, we're also going to be giving away something free. So make sure that you comment below because if you don't comment, you don't get entered into that um, drawing for free swag. So PJ, take it away from there, bro. We love giving out sweet, uh, free, sweet, sweet frag. And so, uh, definitely we're going with it and we're going with it. So, um, uh, definitely make a comment in there. We're glad that you're with us tonight. And, um, I am really excited about these two. And, and I know we use that word a lot when we do these kind of videos, but, um, Randy has been a personal mentor of mine for, um, almost well over a decade now and uh, we have some fun stories together and Scott we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of years and now we get to do ministry together and that's been real exciting uh, for me and so um, I just kind of thought it'd be a good way to to maybe share our testimonies you know real quick and a little bit about where we're in ministry so Dr. Stone if you want to go first and just give us some highlights and a little bit about yourself. Okay I'm going to well I'm so glad to be able to share with you and your audience tonight uh, my background is I uh, grew up in southwest Louisiana in a Christian home. That's when I first came to know Christ. My dad led me to the Lord when I was nine years old. I uh, grew up in the church. Uh, then when I was in uh, college, uh, since the call to ministry, and I was serving my first church when I was 19 years old, uh, January when I was 19, and I uh, got married uh, later that year when I was turned 20 years old. Anyway, I married and in ministry at 20. Um, started serving churches in our hometown across the, uh, the area, ended up uh, going to seminary a little bit later. Uh, then I served churches across Missouri while I was there, North Carolina, Baton Rouge, Fort Worth. And after 30 years of ministry, I, I started working on my, my doctoral programs um, in 1998. Uh, and I finished in 2004. Didn't know exactly what God had in mind for me. Uh, a few years after I graduated, started teaching at Southwestern when I was serving a church near there. Uh, enjoyed that. And then in 2011, I was invited to the faculty at New Orleans Baptist Seminary, and it's been great serving there, uh, trying to help instruct young students. And then also get to work with a lot of doctoral students who are um, advancing in their programs and uh, graduate degrees, particularly doctoral degrees. So yeah, enjoy it very much. Yeah, well, and you're good at it. So shameless plug there. So love New Orleans Seminary. We have three right here. So um, big shout out there. And so Scott, you you often introduce all of us, but tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I am the Discipleship Catalyst, and I have just been here since September of 2019, so I've not even made a full year. I tell people all the time that uh, all the way I get around is listening to my little Australian lady uh, on my phone. She tells me everywhere to go still. Um, so, but it's beautiful. We absolutely love being here. Uh, maybe one day, PJ, we can uh, share our stories of the, just the craziness that brought us to Georgia. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really phenomenal what the Lord's done that allowed us to be here. Or even my story with Elizabeth, my goodness, uh, standing on top of a billboard, asking her to marry me, lots of craziness there too. But, um, but that, we love it. Uh, so I lead a team of seven here. We have uh, seven consultants throughout the state. And what we're doing is creating intentional disciple-making um, strategies and trying to help every church in Georgia that wants it or allow us to input to help them do better in this task that we've been given by the Lord to make disciples. Yeah, and it's, um, and it's been fun to join you in that journey because all of us are passionate about um, growing disciples and loving people and seeing life change. Like I think that's one thing that all of us would say we love um, seeing the fruit you know, of, of discipleship and seeing people that have radically different lives because of it. And both of you from your testimonies have that uh, as well. So just maybe a little bit about me. Um, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, kind of moved a lot. So this was my 29th move uh, that I get to blame on Scott, uh, probably Randy a little bit too, but um, we've moved quite a bit. So in that, I've, I've been able to, to be in different sized churches and been in ministry uh, for, for almost 17 years. So it's, it's been um, really cool to see how God uses all that. Married for eight years, a uh, little six-year-old um, Harper. Uh, and so there's a couple of those back there. It's uh, like 221 days till Christmas. So if you know me long, you'll know that I love Christmas with passion and I'm not ashamed of that uh, or the gospel. So um, let's kick off a little bit here. I want to remind everybody that we want uh, your input. So you need to write some questions and we'll see if we can uh, stump the doctors here and um, and see if we can have some fun a little bit tonight. So there you go. Um, let me um, ask you first, Randy, um, why don't you uh, define discipleship? That's that's a word that gets thrown out a lot. And since, you know, you're a professor of it, why don't you define it for us? Well, I, you know, this it is an interesting uh, word that's used to describe a lot of things that we do in the church. And uh, for me, I have had to narrow it down to a pretty simple thing is guiding believers through environments and experiences that uh, lead them to a greater likeness in Christ Jesus. Uh, I discovered some time ago that I really can't make disciples. I really can't uh, make anybody like Jesus, but I can create environments and lead them to experiences that will facilitate that. And uh, and one of the questions that we often deal with, just to give a, give a contrast, I guess, is, when we define like Christian education and spiritual formation and discipleship, those words all get lumped together sometimes. And uh, I've come to understand they have some distinct uh, nuances to them. For me, Christian education, for example, is leading, is teaching any topic from a Christian biblical worldview. So we can teach anything from math and sciences and English uh, to humanities, literature from that perspective. And people can be involved in Christian education, but not be a, a believer in Jesus. And we can help them embrace a biblical worldview. Um, but there's only certain there are certain things that the church does, and that's what we that's where discipleship comes in. The church guides people through these experiences and creates these environments that foster a fellowship of Christ in a, in a stronger way. 
And then spiritual formation is the unique thing that the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer to form people into that, that ultimate reality of who Christ is in them. And uh, Romans 8.29 says that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that's a spiritual work between the believer and the Holy Spirit that, that we're not, we, we can help. The, being in those, facilit- in those uh, environments helps facilitate that, but we don't do it. It's the work of God and, and the believer. So that's my, how I see my role as a discipleship environmentalist. I um I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Gloria Irvin is watching us and um, Gary one of our associational missionaries is watching us too and so he Gary's been joining in a lot of weeks so a couple shout outs there um, before I kind of tee up the main topic tonight um, it's always good to define terms so Scott um, define mission define what our mission is as for sure so I go to Matthew twenty eight you know the, the what we call the great co mission where the Lord gave us that mission of the church and I love what it says there in the verse sixteen all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me so Jesus gives what I call the most empowering verse in the entire Bible in that one section and the reason is because he's because if, if the Lord lives in us if we've trusted him asked him to forgive our sins then we know the spirit of God lives in us so no matter what we go through how difficult pandemic is or family or anything he's with us so we have all authority in heaven and earth accessible within us if you're a child of God and then he gives that mission and there's there's one command in there and we know that that after that one command you have those three participles that tell us the how and the one command is to make disciples, is to go and is to make disciples and then to baptize and to teach. So sometimes where we get tripped up is we'll, we'll think that the going part may be the focus of that, you know, go across the street, go across the ocean, or maybe it's baptized or maybe it's, it's teach. But we got to be make sure that in the local church, because it gets confused, there sometimes we put that tag of the mission of church in different elements. And they're, they're incredible main intentional elements of the church that we don't want to minimize those things but what we're to be doing in that church is to make disciples so i can't encourage us enough um, that if you don't consider yourself a disciple making church that that's where we would head and that's actually pj that's why we exist that's what our team does is to help churches figure that out and not just to do it but to do it really well yeah, amen to that, and 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 it is a, a definition of terms because, um, like you said, both both these words that we're talking about get used in so many different ways, um, and even popular culture will use those words, and so it kind of clouds it if we don't have a a base of what that is. And so, um, just I'm going to take an audience question um, real quick here. I think, um, well, look, uh, Will King, our, my buddy Will from South Carolina is watching tonight. And so Will asked, um, how do you feel about our Southern Baptist churches um, doing uh, installing true biblical discipleship among the members? So how do you feel like our Southern Baptist churches are doing and in installing true biblical discipleship with their members? Um, uh, Randy, I'll let you answer that first. Go for it. Uh, I think, uh, I think some of, in a way this goes back to the definition question, how you determine that you've achieved that goal is really a topic of conversation. We are in a, a real moment right now of saying, what are the metrics, the measurements? How do we end up assessing that we actually made a disciple? And I often hear people say, well, you know, you made a disciple when they made one. But if your first copy is not correct, then your second copy is even going to be worse. Yeah. 
And so the, the, the real issue goes back to, are we uh, helping people fulfill that larger uh, understanding? Uh, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you dis- uh, fishers of men. They became like Jesus because they followed him. Um, and I think that's really the question. Are we creating people who are following Christ and, and living in, in a life of fellowship uh, within the body of Christ so that that is being done? And I'm, I think we're in a time that we're, we're really reassessing the measures. So how do you know if you're successful? What are the measures? Uh, and I'm not, I think we're in a, in a postmodern culture that we're having a more challenging time uh, determining what those are. So I would say personally, I would say we're not being especially successful at that because we're making, uh, we're losing ground as we interface with the culture. Uh, one of my heroes of the faith uh, is uh, Arthur Flake. And while he was a Sunday school leader, I, I've been researching a little bit and, and reading on him. And, and, and he led uh, the, the, the Southern Baptist Convention to grow in people engaged in Bible study from 1 million to 6 million in a little over 20 years. So six-fold increase in Bible study engagement. And we know that's the number one reason that's the number one thing that has to happen for people to grow and as followers but since he's died we've only increased two million people while our population has doubled so i would say if you think in terms of how are we doing in terms of uh, impacting the culture and changing society and allowing people to live out the christian life in a, a manifest way i'm not seeing it we're losing ground every day so I would, I'm praying for that new, the new Arthur Flake who can take the 8 million people we have engaged in, in Bible study groups. Well, I think what would happen if that multiplied times six in 20 years and we went from 8 million to 48 million, what impact would that make on the culture and in our churches? Yeah, I was going to, I was about to call you out and say you didn't answer the question. You must work for a Southern Baptist institution. But then at the end, man, you bring it home. You bring home the point. So I, I appreciate the, the directness of that. Great question, Will. Um, Grant put a definition of discipleship in there as discipleship is following Jesus on his terms. So others would want to follow him also. I thought that was a really good, uh, good. way of describing that too. Scott, um, uh, before I dive in, uh, we got one more definition. Um, and so that's to define what strategy does for a church. How would you define that? So here's what I would say. Strategy does for a church what a game plan does for a professional ball team. It, it la- gives them a laser focus. Um, to give you an example, I've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary. And, uh, you know, I, that's my era. And I grew up with Jordan. And, um, and it was interesting to me because he's obviously, uh, in that generation, the greatest player ever. And, and I think even today, many would say he's the greatest player ever. Maybe they've had some of the greatest teams ever, but it was interesting in that documentary how they talk about the game plan of every time they stepped onto the court. They, they knew what they did well. They knew what the enemy did well. And then they had a game plan to make sure at the end of the game that they overcame what the enemy was going to do well. And I was just struck with that because that's really what um, a disciple-making strategy is. It is a laser focus to help us know what we need to be doing, but also what we don't need to be doing so that we can maximize gospel impact. And I tell you, um, just kind of branching off what Randy said a while ago, most of our churches aren't doing that, okay? And not to hurt any feelings, but um, if, you, if you just have 
worship and you say, well, our, our fo- our, we're discipling people because we have worship, or maybe you have Sunday school in worship, and that's, that's our, our strategy. Well, the last 40 years of my life have shown that that is not enough to move a group of people to spiritual maturity. So there are intentional processes and um, this watershed principle that we're going to be rolling out in September of this year is a, it's an overarching plan. It's not, it's not the strategy you're going to use in your church viewer, but it's a plan that we'll be able to sit down with you and help you figure out what the six main streams or intentional processes in your church need to be healthy for your church to be healthy. And we couldn't be more excited to get that rolled out, to get into your church and to help if you will allow us. Yeah. And the best part of that is it's a custom plan. You know, uh, we want to sit down. And uh, one of the big things as we were going through um, classes and talking with people is, is that we just don't want this kit box that says, this is how you do discipleship, go and run with it. You know, Randy, to your point, um, you know, Flake didn't just take the, the, what he was given and say, okay, everybody just do that. He, he invented something different and created a movement and millions of people were, were in God's word that wouldn't have been maybe otherwise, or maybe they would have some other way, but God used that one. And so um, it's just so important to make that real to the church. And so if you're watching um, and you're a pastor in Georgia, that's what we do. We, we do that. Now, um, we realize there are a lot of you that are watching that are not Georgia pastors, and we're going to talk uh, tonight about different roles. We're going to talk about um, being a member in the church and what you can do as a part of this conversation as a pastor in the church um, and so just kind of stay tuned for a little bit of that. Um, but what we're trying to, to talk about, the meat of tonight, is um, that we're going to learn together strategies uh, to advance discipleship in our churches. So what do we do to advance that? And uh, we were talking today about how the word even is, is kind of a bud, buzzword to advance. Like, what's that mean? Randy, that's your question here in a second. Is What does it mean to even advance that in strategy and saying, okay, we're going to do these certain things um, I, you know, being in church work, um, as long as I have, I guess, but it's not really as long as anybody else on this, on this call, I'm, I'm still new. Um, I've just seen those words used around a lot, or we just, we go one way or we go another. Um, and you know, COVID-19 hits, nobody sees that coming. Uh, the last 10 weeks are nothing like the last 10 years. And, you know, a lot of these books that were written, uh, over my shoulder didn't account for a day like today that we shut down a country that we shut down the churches and then we reopen them and yet there's probably some things that still stick so um randy um what does it mean to advance the strategy for a church you've worked on several churches of multiple sizes large mega churches um and and bivocational capacities and those kind of things so what does it mean to advance the strategy for a church well i think what i think what uh, most churches need to advance the chat strategies. First, they have to make sure that they're nailed down to the mission, as Scott mentioned a while ago. They know that why we exist as, as a church. Uh, unfortunately, I found many churches, their their survival is, I mean, their mission is get through next week. They they have lost their way in terms of making disciples. And, and you guys know this, uh, about 25% of our churches baptized nobody last year. Another 25% baptized few people. So half of our churches are demonstrating that they're not really on mission or they would be having some new believers involved in the life of the church. Um, and so that's start one. That's the first thing is, do I know what the mission is? Second part is, I've got to find a way to accomplish that, minist- that mission in my unique context. That takes a little bit of skill, a little bit of work to say, 
what are the unique characteristics of the people that I'm trying to reach around me? What are the unique skills and gifts of the people in my congregation that I, we can mobilize in order to accomplish that mission here? Then that formulates your strategy. Uh, just getting that far is a challenge for most of our congregations, especially in light of the fact that uh, I think the numbers around 50% of our churches are Bible pastors, uh, are Kobo pastors. And so they feel by the end of the week after they've worked 30, 40, 50 hours at another job and then done all the pastoral duties and prepared three messages, there's no time left for strategizing. Um, I think that's the was the one thing that was the beauty uh, embedded in, in a traditional Sunday school strategy and the, the, the Southern Baptist that was embedded in the literature. There was a fundamental strategy that was established and it may not have been the best one, but at least it was one that people could embrace programmatically uh, with a little bit of work. We're struggling now because those strategies are less clear. So uh, it's a little bit more work for some of the leaders, pastors, even lay leaders of a church to say, what is our way that we're gonna uniquely uh, accomplish that mission that God's calling us to do? Yeah, and um, I wanna um, quickly keep moving just so we, we keep good on, on time and try to be faithful on this. Um, but uh, just wanna say uh, to Chuck Jonas, uh, it doesn't matter if you're late, you're still eligible for swag. So thank you for going ahead and posting in there on that. We'll, we'll definitely enter you, so still counts, Chuck. Um, one question, and we'll send this one to you, Scott, um, that we had submitted was, uh, what's the pastor's role in disciple making in the church? Um, what's the best advice for maybe a single past staff uh, pastor, which is obviously the majority of our churches um, as bivocational or that single staff pastor? Um, what are they doing that's most important them to lead their churches? Uh, so best advice uh, for those kind of pastors and what's the uh, pastor's role in disciple making? Oh, love pastors. And what I would say to you, um, in, particularly in that single pastor staff church, um, you are the lead dog. The way you lead your church is going to be the way, because you can speak that from the stage, but if you're not making disciples, if you're not modeling that, then uh, what, what I, the way I try to describe it is you put a ceiling on your gospel impact in your church. So you can talk about it from the stage, and that's critical because that's language, and language leads culture. But you've also got to model that. So um, when we when we left um, First Baptist Church in Halton, Louisiana, which is where I came from, Northwest Louisiana, um, Gavin and I uh, had made a decision a decade prior that we were going to move from this uh, attractive, uh, super evangelistic church to become a disciple-making church. We knew that was. Um, was the direction we needed to go and we weren't doing well at that. We had added 1800 people in, in 10 years and, um, and we'd hit a ceiling and just stopped growing for five years. And, and one of the things that he said, which was, and I'm pastor, if you're listening, I hope you'll, you'll just heed what he said. It was the, the moment in our church's life when things changed, Gavin walked into a staff meeting and he said, um, if we're going to become a disciple making church, things are going to have to change. And man, we just kind of all looked around like somebody's fixing to get fired, you know, and uh, that's not what he said. And he said, and the person who's going to have to change the most is me. And we just like, we, I mean, we, it just got silent. We we're like, what are you talking about? He said, if we're going to become a disciple making church, I've got to be a disciple making pastor. I have to make 
personal. I have to personally be making disciples and lead our church in that direction. And I got off the phone yesterday with a guy named Matt Kenny, who was a guy that shortly after that, Gavin began to invest in. He's a fireman. Now Matt has surrendered to ministry. He's finishing his last class in seminary. He's preaching at a church. And that's just how it works. So I can't encourage you enough uh, for pastors. You've got to lead the way with your language, but also with modeling. Can I weigh in on that just a little bit as well? Because sometimes I think there's a tendency for us to want to say, what do I have to do to something? And I would say for many of our small, smaller churches, the question is, what are you willing to stop doing in order to focus on the things that are fruitful? And, and there's a tendency to say, well, big church is doing this, or Lifeway says to have this ministry and that. And you get so busy trying to manage things that are unmanageable and then you're, none of them become effective. And I think that's the biggest challenge for most of our churches is, hey, let's get down to two or three key environments that move people along in their spiritual formation and their spiritual walk with Christ. And then let's do those well. And if you grow and you can add those other things, you do them. But until you do, make sure you got the two or three things that are really essential for, for moving people through in the, in the spiritual growth process. Well, and, I, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll just say, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And so if you're watching today as a leader or a pastor, um, you're looking at people that can help you with that process. You're looking at um, Dr. Stone, who works with hundreds of pastors from all over the country that come to, to learn what they don't know uh, with New Orleans. And they have a great program to engage you from a distance and gather together. And, and it's, um, you know, of all of my educational experiences, that was the one I enjoyed the most. I enjoyed showing up because it was really practical Randy would love to talk to you more about what that is. And, and, you know, Scott, what we're doing here in Georgia is sometimes we get to be the bad guy. Sometimes pastor gives us a call and says, I know I need to stop something, but I'm not sure what it is. And sometimes they need permission. Uh, sometimes it's, can, can you come and maybe sit in this meeting with me? Um, Gloria just said she ran off to a, a meeting. She had a committee meeting she had to run off to. Hey, call us up. We'll sit in on that meeting with you. We'll, we'll help you figure out what that is. Cause sometimes it's easy. My, my mother-in-law uh, told me, she said, you know, you, you church guys, you love consultants. And so this is going to go well for you because you want, and sometimes we do, we just love consultants, you know, because we can bring in somebody who's seen what we don't know. Uh, we get so stuck maybe in our own context that we don't know that there's a different way. You know, Scott, when you say your pastor came in and changed the whole paradigm, I mean, that is, that's a, that's a big, I get chills thinking about that because that's a big moment in the life of a church. And so I, I would say that's what we do uh, here with our pastors, wouldn't you? And right now, right now, it's a, a perfect reset time for a lot of churches yes. because everybody's had to scale back because of what we're doing. Don't just, I mean, I think don't just feel like you got to fill up the calendar again or, or, or become all busy as a church again and say, hey, let's only bring back with the things that are important. Okay, let's go to the next uh, point here. And so um, uh, just want to talk about these two things, and then we'll have wrap-up comments here in a second. So uh, two more, and then we'll wrap up um, in those different ways. Rick West, thanks for uh, joining us today, and Noah Hunt. Um, I think, how can I, as just a church member, advance a church's strategy? You know, that, that, that's what I think people, they feel like it's the, the job of the pastor, that bivocational pastor, that senior pastor, that discipleship minister, that worship. Y'all are going to advance the strategy. Just tell me when to show up. Just tell me when to show up. Tell me what to give. It's so much easier to do that. Um, but I kind of, Scott, I'll let you go first. 
you know, what is it? Um, how can just, you know, in quotations, because the, the church member is not just, but how, how do they help with this process? And part of this has to do with how you see the church. Um, if you see the church as the only leaders or the people we pay to be in front of folks, then, then you probably are stuck. But I would challenge that. I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a volunteer organization. Okay, like the church that I left from um, started small, but by the time we left, we were running 1,000 people. Well, out of that 1,000, um, we'd have probably 200 people anywhere on the campus that would be serving in some kind of capacity. And there were only seven, maybe eight of us who got paid out of all of those 200 people. That means it's a volunteer organization. So if you're, if you're asking that question, um, you're on the right track because we need you to serve. And here's how you would do it is the, the strategy that your church has to move people towards spiritual maturity. You got to talk about it when you're at lunch, you got to talk about it at the coffee pot, and then you need to model it. You need to be in those groups who are being disciples, learning what it means to walk with Jesus every single day. And then the idea of multiplying that. And that's one of the things in our churches that we're not seeing enough of. We naturally are drawn to people who are like us, who look like us and like the same things as us. And what happens is we get into these groups, small groups, Sunday school classes, D group, and we tend to want to stay there because we found our niche. But aren't we glad that the, the 12 disciples didn't just stay in their niche? We wouldn't be where we were, and we can't either. We've got to multiply the gospel seed that's been shared with us. Amen. Randy, a quick word on that? Uh, well, I think the biggest thing, I think uh, I agree with that, but I think the first thing is if you're a layperson, you need to know what the strategy is because you can't fulfill it if you don't know. <laughs> if you're not sure, go ask your pastor. Probe him, push him a little bit. If you're a layperson, say, okay, pastor, what's our strategy for fulfilling the mission? And then you ask everything that goes into it. How is this event, activity, uh, whatever, it, how is that helping us fulfill that? And if it doesn't, you, you jettison it. If it does it, you multi you, you multiply it. You do more of it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's very good. Uh, Glenn Canup, I saw you on there a second ago that you're watching. Thanks for watching. Um, I'd be interested to know how many people could put like a brief, this is our church strategy down. So if you know what that is, write it in the chat. Um, it'd be interesting to know how many people know those things. You know, we've done things like Exano and Church Unique. And, the, you know, we've sat in on all day meetings um, to kind of flesh that out. And then, you know, we try to communicate that outward, but really the, the best strategies are the ones that come the other way, you know, and where everybody's bought in and people see themselves as a part of it, you know, like what you're saying, Scott, that everybody's a leader. And, and that's when these things really take ground and, and go for it. Um, one of the, one of the things we were going to talk more on um, was just, you know, when disruption happens, um, should strategy change? And then we'll have some closing statements here. So um, that, that I, I guess just when I read that question, um, it, it really, it really begs to differ what kind of strategy you had. If you're asking the question, does it change? And so it may be a good or a bad thing. So I would like to hear, um, uh, Randy, you, you hear a lot of students come in and they'll share their strategy and they're real excited. And then you ask 50 questions and then they like, go like this by the time they're done, because they're not sure they had a strategy. Uh, so tell me what you, what you normally encounter there. So when disruption happens, should a strategy change? Well, here's a, here's a, I've got folks right, in the, right now in the middle of doctoral programs and dissertation projects and all that. And they're going, should I change my project or whatever? And, and, and I say, no, because strategy shouldn't change, but tactics do. 
So if your strategy is broad enough, if you say, for example, uh, our goal as part of our strategy is to engage unbelievers in meaningful Bible study, that's your goal. As, as that's one of your metrics or one of the things you're pursuing as a strategy for disciple making. That's not changed anything. How we do that, the tactic to accomplish that is now changed because now I've got to do it through Zoom or through some other kind of, maybe it's telephone conferencing or now that we're starting to be able to do different kind of small groups again, we can do that. But I don't think we, I don't think we throw away the strategy if it's a good strategy, we go about our tactics. We have to get them done in a little bit different and a different way. So, um, uh, and I think, so when disruption happens, those may be times that God says, I want you to do it a little different way. Uh, but the mission hadn't changed and the basic strategies haven't changed if they're built on good principles. Yeah. And, and add on to that, Scott, what you've been hearing here in Georgia and, um, and any more on that. That'll lose Scott. You there, Scott. Okay. Okay. Well, just keep going. Um, I think I think he's a little bit behind here, but let's. Um, perfect size of a group. Quick question. Go, Doctor Stone. What's the perfect size of a group? Okay, there are three sizes. All right. If you're if you're creating a teaching training type environment, I think fifteen to twenty five is probably a good one that allows for interaction. Uh, if you're trying to build community and connection, uh, around eight uh, is a good number. That's kind of maximum for the best number of relationships within a group. And then if you're doing uh, intense discipleship or mentoring, three to four. Got it. Dr. Sullivan, anything to add to that? Sullivan, Scott. Let's see if I can get him. Uh-oh. I think he's muted a little bit there. All right, we'll keep moving. Brad had to go take a call because uh, his kids, it looks like green kids called him. So we'll, we'll, we'll let Brad off the hook. So um, um, Scott, you look good doing it, whatever's happening. So, all right, let's, let's do some closing uh, statements and, um, and then we'll go from there. So t two take home statements. I want, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of engagement. People have stayed in through this whole uh, cast. And so thank you for everybody uh, for being a part of this tonight. Um, so there's two kind of big groups. So take home statements um, to church members and leaders watching. What would you say to them, Dr. Stone? Uh, I would say, as we've been talking about, uh, mission, strategy, fidelity, commitment to that mission and strategy over a long period of time uh, produces an optimal future. Mission strip and strategy erosion will destroy your future or at least minimize it. So we got to stick, gotta, if you find, I look at, I'm going to use the example of uh, Rick Warren. And a lot of people think Rick Warren's baseball diamonds hokey or outdated or whatever, but they've been consistent to that strategy for 40 years out there and became the largest, fastest growing Southern Baptist church in SBC. And I think that's the key. I think is you find us, you know what the mission is, you find a strategy and you stick to it for the long haul it will reap results. Got to, got to stick. If it's the right one, it's definitely the one to, to stick on. All right. Is Scott, can we have you on audio? Uh Oh, all right. <laughs> it's, I think Scott actually, um, he said this just before we came on. 
Um, he said he was having thunderstorms. So we're going to give him a thunderstorm uh, pass because I believe that's what he's got going on a little quick here. So um, the, the other one is just a take-home statements to pastors watching. Um, I don't, I'm not an expert. You are, Dr. Stone. So tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, pastors watching. What would be a take-home statement on this specific issue? Well, I think, we're, I think we would all agree that the Great Commission is clearly the biblical expectation for the mission of the church. And uh, the, I cannot underestimate the importance of guiding your church to understand that that is the mission, making disciples is the mission, and then working a process to develop a strategy that's unique to your context and helps your church to be successful. It'll reap and bear a lot of fruit. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, um, uh, one of the things that I'm, by the way, that's, by the way, that's not easy. That's hard work. (laughs) That's hard work. (laughs) None of this is a uh, five minute fix, is it? And so, um, the, the strategies, conversations to move things forward, you know, um, I, I think that God is using this situation in a lot of ways. And so you might have, like you've alluded to have the wrong strategy in place. If your strategy was that, we do Sunday school in big church, then you've made it about something that didn't happen for the last 10 weeks. But if you make it about making disciples, and if you make it about worshiping God, then you figure out how those methods support that strategy because those can change. And what that does is it unlocks things like we have to do truck or treat to statements like we get to do trunk or treat because it's hitting this mission, but it's not hitting this mission. So maybe we shouldn't do trunk or treat. And those are kind of some of those sacred cow conversations um, where this can help you have that hard conversation of what stays and what what goes. And so, um, again, we're, we're here to help you uh, figure out what those strategies are, to be another voice in the room. Sometimes it just helps to, to, to talk to somebody else. Uh, Scott's a good listener because we got to just uh, see his face and he smiles. So that's, that's a good one. So, um, Dr. Stone, any closing uh, comments? Oh, no, I just uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak to our folks. And I'm going to do a shameless plug for our our school, I get to oversee a couple of doctoral programs and lead the master's division for the discipleship ministry leadership uh, division. And so I'd be glad to talk to anybody who might be interested in furthering their education. Uh, and I'll just use an example for that. We made no disruptions to our program whenever because we had a strategy that was in place to provide theological education to God called men and women regardless of geography. So we've been in a, in a distance education mode so flipping the switch was was just that hard. Now it's been a little more challenging because some folks like to be in the classroom, but we've been able to keep our mission in focus and our strategy to accomplish that. So uh, churches can do the same thing. Now is a good reset is what I'd encourage people. Yeah, that's a great example. And it really has been a great institution to do that. They're not playing catch up. You know, y'all were for forerunners in that. Um, and so, all right, we're going to give Scott Another chance at it, Scott. How, how's it going? How's the how's the thunderstorm? All right, that's fine. All right, so uh, thank you all for joining us tonight, and um, we're just so glad that you took a little bit of time and, and wrote right in the comments. We love giving away swag or uh, whatever the word is that I made up earlier. Um, there always seems to be one fun word that comes out of these. Um, and um, Dr. Stone, if you're interested in New Orleans Seminary, make a little comment. He'll get back in touch with you. If there's something we can do for you here in Georgia, we'd love to have a conversation with you. With that, everybody, thank you for your time tonight. And uh, thank you, Dr. Stone. And thank you, Dr. Sullivan. Y'all have a good evening. Thank you.